I love it. I love it. That video pumps me up so much because that's like my heartbeat right there. That is like such my heartbeat. And we've started a new series, so you guys are in the best time to be here on Sunday. Say, good job, good job. You can check off your religious list. You're here. Um, if God has not spoken yet, he, he will to your heart. Um, God is so, so, so good. Um, this new series, we did this last year, and this is probably going to be a series that we're going to do every single year because this is our mission. God, through you, is the end result that we want each and every person to be. You, God, to work through you. God to speak to you, through you, God to inspire through you, God to launch things in people's lives through you, for you to be the, the, maybe the grounded voice in your working environment or in your family or, or in school or in colleges, but this powerful concept of God through you, this is what we're going to live for and we're gearing everything, all the changes that you guys have been kind of hearing about and as we begin to get further in the year, we're going to talk more and more about all that's getting to unpack as we move forward with our church. This month, or in September, our church is turning seven years old. Um, and we're not going to really focus much on that until the end of September. Don't miss the end of September. <laughs> it's going to be something big. But for today, for today... Um, Let's turn, if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11. I have been breathing this and speaking about this and have been pumped for what God is doing inside and what our, our city has not seen nothing yet. You and I have not seen nothing yet, and it just excites the daylights out of me. Um, so, this is in the Passion Translation. And he has appointed some with the grace to be apostles, some with the grace to be prophets, some with the grace to be evangelists, and some with the grace to be pastors, and some with the grace to be teachers. You may have read this and heard about this, and maybe you've heard it, people talk about it in five-fold concept, uh, and maybe you have a bad feeling about it, and if you do, I'll just be like, kind of like suspend all that uh, over the next few weeks, because I think this is a powerful, powerful passage, and there's a lot here that's involved. And don't you guys know and agree with me that our example uh, for life is Jesus? Like, it's not the pastor, it's not a system, it's not an organization, it's not some godly person. It's Jesus at the, at the front and at the center of it all. And, and, and an angel did not breathe these gifts and give these gifts. Jesus himself did. And Jesus gave some this, some that, some that. And the reason he's able to give some people this and this and this and this is because he had all of them. That's how he was able and he is able to give to all of us. And so I don't know where you're, what your background is. I don't know what you think about yourself. But one of those fives, an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist, or a shepherd, we are all have been gifted and wired with one of these. <laughs> You're probably like, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked because this is what we're going to be unpacking for the weeks 
and months to come. And I promise you, it is going to just shift things in your life. And I see it already happening within my life. And I'm talking about this stuff with people who don't even go to our church. And, 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 they're, and they really, really get excited. Not because it's something for us, and, and, which is cool. But it's something that, that, that God is like bringing and, make, and giving life to. Um, so what I want to do, something that I've never done before and something that I've never seen or heard anyone ever do before, so I don't know if this is going to be a, a success or a failure, you'll be the judge of it, and a lot of it is going to be contingent on whether you show up next week and next week and next week. So your attendance is going to play a big role in my um, self-esteem and self-image. <laughs> so, and like I said... I don't know if this is a God, something that God wants, wants me to do, or is it just that I'm just kind of like so crazy that I'll risk it, and if it doesn't work, then we'll, we'll, we'll switch the series, and you'll know when we're doing a new series in a couple of weeks. Um, but what I want to do is, um, is read a passage, a passage that's very, very familiar um, to us. It's actually a passage that whenever we were starting Odyssey Church, um, God laid it on our hearts when I asked them, like, what, what are we going to do? Why are we going to be different? There are so many churches here. Why are we going to start a church? And he sent me to this passage and the story of, about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Who's ever heard that story before? Who's heard it more than once? Who's heard it from here before? Who's heard it from me before? Okay. Um, just act surprised if... <laughs> Something that God showed me as I was reading through that passage um, and preached on it a couple of times. Um, as I was reading through it, it's as if God like, showed me this image of Jesus. He is the top and best apostle and evangelist and teacher and shepherd um, um, and, and uh, a prophet. He, he's like, if you read through scripture, you'll see all those that he really just amplifies those things. And uh, the concept and the idea that came to me was like, Jesus actually represents all five of his giftings in this story of the Samaritan woman. So what I'm going to attempt to do is we're going to read the same story for the next five weeks and talk about one of the gifts and focus on one of the gifts that we can see and pull from to see how Jesus saved a village. Who wants to save Asheville? How are you going to do it? God through you. Exactly. God through you. So I'm not going to read the whole passage because we're going to read this for the next five weeks. And today what I want to highlight, I want to talk about is Jesus as an evangelist. Jesus as an evangelist. Who knows what an evangelist is? Kind of like, you know, who thinks you know? Who, who, <laughs> who has no clue what I'm talking about? <laughs> Okay, and, and this is okay because I think some of, some of the language, uh, it, it can, we, we can kind of misunderstand if we don't know what it really means. Did you guys know that the word evangelist or evangelism is actually not a Christian word? The early church actually borrowed the terminology from the Romans because what uh, evangelism means is someone who's proclaiming that there's a new king that has been, uh, that, that, is, that has rose into power. So it's a proclamation of the good news. Evangelism is saying and speaking the good news. And the good news that Jesus brought was not in words, but himself. 
It's not information. He brought himself. And so the first thing that I want you guys to look at this is that Jesus is not offering something to this woman. To, to this woman. He's actually offering himself. He's not just a carrier of the good news. He speaks the good news, and he is the good news. So an evangelist is a person that actually puts flesh on the gospel. It's a walking, breathing, marketing, advertising, storytelling, crazy, next-level marketing, you know, trainer, coach, CrossFit, Mary Kay, knife-selling, those people who are like, hey, can you come to my house on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock? What is it about? It's a surprise. <laughs> they are evangelists. <laughs> they are evangelists. And a lot of times we have conformed the word evangelism to just spreading the good news. But in, in, in reality, evangelism is spreading your own experience. If Jesus has changed your life, you will become an evangelist for Jesus. It may not be your gifting in the sense of this is what you bleed, this is when someone cuts you, this is what comes out, this is what, what's, like, you know, when you think of an evangelist, for example, I mean, like, what, is Billy, Billy Graham is an evangelist, right? Of course, no one would really be like, yeah, I don't know, maybe he's, uh, I don't know. He is an evangelist. And, 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 and so when we think of evangelists, we think of a person on the stage like Billy Graham proclaiming the good news and people are getting saved. And that is part of it. That is true. But it's not all of it. So this is why a lot of us, we feel like we're not evangelists because we can't do what Billy Graham did. And so we would automatically disconnect from this gift based on how we see and have seen someone else express the same gift. And especially if it's been done in a poor, unintelligent, mocking, degrading, judgmental way. Get Jesus or get hell. We're like, that is not my gifting. <laughs> and I would say, I hope not. I hope not. But the story, um, I'm going to just read a few uh, verses so that we can kind of get into the, into the meat of the story. Uh, but it's uh, John chapter 4, and I would highly read the whole chapter of John and actually read John chapter 3, 4, and 5. Actually, you can start with John 1. Uh, actually, you can start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and um, John. Um, we're actually reading through the whole Bible, so if you want to read the Bible and know what the heck is going on in Scripture, uh, I would highly encourage you, in Jesus' name, to read the words that Jesus and the things that Jesus has done um, in people's lives. You'd be amazed, amazed. In the worst of times, God brings something up that you've read three months ago. And then it wrecks you because you're like, wow, it works. It may not work for today or for tomorrow, but God is, oh, God is so good. God is so, so good. So verse 25, Jesus is already here. And he, he's come to this place uh, uh, at the well, and he begins this exchange with the woman. And the woman then says, this is all so confusing, but I do know that the anointed one, this is verse 25, I do know that the, the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And then Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you, and I am the one you are looking for. Now, the difference between us and Jesus is that we are not the Messiah, but what we can say um, is that 
what you're looking for, I know him. And that is different to say, what you're looking for, I've read about him. What you're looking for, my pastor talks about it. There's a church that talks about it. Jesus is only powerful in your life when you have experienced him in a relationship. And when you've experienced him, you cannot but tell others. That may not be the first thing you do, but it begins to seep out of you. So evangelists are not just people. Let me fix this. Evangelists are not just people who are in the church buildings. A lot of what you've seen here this morning, a lot of these businessmen, they will be doing evangelism without doing evangelism. It's not just telling people, which it is, but it's also about living it. And so Jesus did not say, hey, I'm just going to walk around as a Messiah, and if I need to, I'll use words. Because that's the Christianity we have right now. They will know me by my fruit. Trust me, you don't want them to look at your fruit. Your fruit is maybe not that impressive. So he does call us to live and to walk out this relationship with him. But he also calls us to speak about it. Because words have meaning. Words are powerful. And we see Jesus using words to change people's lives. Verse 27, and at the moment the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman, yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Verse 30, hearing this, the people came streaming out from the village to go see Jesus. There's a, a, a little phrase that, that really just amplifies this evangelistic approach that Jesus is having with this woman. And that is the whole thing where she goes to the village and says, come and see. Um, churches who are seeker sensitive or who are attractional get a bad rap. But I would propose that churches that are attractional or seeker-sensitive are churches that have focused on evangelism. Because they want to attract as many people as possible so they can come and tell them the gospel. And so they do that because an evangelist and a person who, who, who's wired that way, for them it's all about the souls, the souls, the souls, the soul. If we can get more people in the door, more people will hear the gospel. And if more people hear the gospel, then my job is that to, 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 to get a response from them. So it's not that they just hear the gospel, but they have to respond to the gospel as well. Because it's part of the thing that fuels evangelism. They're not just about planning and hoping and having big vision. No, they're saying, hey... Do you know Jesus? You don't? What are you going to do? Why aren't you accepting him? They, they're, they're just like this. And so some of them are really like loving and caring, but people just are in droves. Because as we, as we read before, they have been graced to speak the gospel in that way where it actually just generates responses from people. And so some of y'all have been getting saved over and over and over and over and over again. And you are the byproduct of God, the gifting that God has given someone working. So he doesn't just give you gifts and says, well, 
now. I hope it works. He says, when you are going to operate in how I wired you, you will see success. You will be fulfilled. You will be walking in abundant life. Because our God is a God of purpose. And so many of us are living purposelessly. We're not aiming for anything higher than the next week's paycheck, the next school year, the next relationship, the next blessing, or even religious people, the next time the church doors are open. I got to come to church because that's where the Lord is, and I get all of him. And then by the week's end, you're like the devil, and you need to go back in church. And God's like, no, no, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Evangelism is about experiencing the gospel, not just once a week, but on an every single day way. So I want to give a few highlights because what we're going to do, those of you who keep coming, one of these Sundays we're going to get you guys to sign up and you will be taking assessments. Now... Assessments are really, really cool because they don't tell you who you are. They just put into words who you already are. And it's freeing, and there's so much more involved. I'm just, this is just a little glimpse of what's happening within our church internally. And I'm just so, so, so excited. Just, dear God, you have to kind of calm me down. I love this. I love this. <laughs> so for an evangelist... For an evangelist, Jesus is personal. Uh, who, who, who's a local evangelist here? Crossfire Ministries. Like in, in our city, Crossfire Ministries. Um, what, what, what are the names? Come on, you guys, I'm sure you know. This is embarrassing. Hold on, can we mute the tape? <laughs> tape. Ta yes, thank you. Randy Shepard and... Exactly. Jamie Johnson. So they are known as, as evangelists because that's all they do. And they're doing it in their way, you know. Um, so so we, can, we can identify them. But I just want to do, uh, I want to give a few little highlights of what an evangelist kind of is, maybe some characteristics. Um, and we're going to do this through all of these five gifts. And it's going to be so much fun. And then when you take the test, I think things are going to like happen in your mind. Things are going to begin to click. Lights are going to turn on. And I promise you, I promise you, if you get on this journey with us, a year from now, you will be a completely different person moving in the direction, not just saying, God, what's your plan? God, what's your plan? But you'll be in a place where you're like, I know God's plan for my life. And not just that, I'm actually moving in that direction. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, wouldn't that be like, wow. And you know what's going to happen when you are living in that way? You're going to get a, a following of people who are like, how did you get there? telling you this is some powerful stuff if we embrace it if we believe it if we allow it to work within us so that then god can work it through us because that is the goal he what he has for us is not for us what he has given us is not for us it is for the body it's a gift so so what's really neat is because what's really neat is that there is a gift which is the gift right god gave us the gift but then because god gave it to you i love this then you become the gift to the body. Amen. So all of a sudden, people are not just getting you, oh, because you have a gift. No, now they're going after you because you have a gift, and God gave it to you so that you can give it to the body. And can I say this? And there's a lot of people in our area who are living at home, 
And it's, it breaks my heart. Not living at home. Of course, they're living at home. Um, but they don't, they don't share in like a broader community. And for me, like, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not saved. For me, I'm just looking at them. And I'm like, man, you're, you're, you're disconnected from other gifts that can contribute to what you're doing. And you can be a contributor. And it's so amazing to walk with people who, are knowing, who know where they're going. Oh, it just, it's just so beautiful. So, so here's a few things about, 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 about this. The biggest point. The biggest point, the biggest goal, is you want people to buy into whatever it is that you're evangelizing. You want to take people from being them to being us. Catch this. You are inviting a person from being those to being part of us. And this is what Jesus does. He invites us into relationship to be part of his family. Of his family. So, this is not just in church setting. I'm a strong, strong, strong believer that ministry is not just what happens on Sunday or through the church. Ministry is what you do, where you're planted at, where you're working. If you're a leader, if you, are a, um, uh, 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 if you own your business, or if you're just an employee, you are in ministry. Okay? You are in ministry. And you know what else? God has equipped you to minister in your gifting. Okay? So I just want to kind of highlight that. So a few things, a few things. You guys ready? It's really important to you to have friends, relationships, and a life outside of your church circle. So you know that you're leaning towards this gift if you're just really relational. You just want company. You want people. You are able to get other people excited about what you are excited about. You are highly adaptable and feel comfortable in almost any setting you are in. Now, for a show of hands, who, who kind of relates to what I'm reading so far? Wow, we never knew we had a bunch of evangelists in our church. This is good. This is good. Um, Another thing, you have a heart for people who are far from God. You, have a, um, you make other people feel comfortable when you are around them. You feel frustrated when the church is more inward-focused than outward-focused. The things you love, you really love. You're all in. You're sold out. There is no, I don't know, um, kind of whatever. No, you're like saying, dude, what's wrong with you? Why are you not part of us? You're still them. And I know how that feels because, you know, I went to the gym for, for a few weeks. And... <laughs> Why is that funny? Um, and I was part of them for a season. And then, um, uh, and then I became part of the eating group. <laughs> um, th- thank you very much. Um, you can be bold and speak your mind, and it sometimes catches people off guard. You have an appreciation that life is short and you know what will happen, uh, and you never know what will happen. You get excited when eyes even are upon you. So um, what I want to do is um, uh, say a couple more things, and then I want to dissect a few things that we see in the story through Jesus and what Jesus kind of did, uh, uh, a half a dozen of things that we see in the story. But um, when, when you identify with some of the stuff that I read, um, the gifting and how we're wired at our core is from God, but then how it's manifested would be different from one person to another. It's based on their character, based on their maturity, um, and it's even based on their chemistry. 
Um, if you read anything leadership related, there's other things that are in place. So just because you have been gifted in one way and you don't know what you're doing, you may feel like I'm not gifted. Or maybe you've seen someone who were saying that they were gifted in this way, you know, but then you look at their life and you're like, well, what's wrong with them? It could be because they're just immature in their gifting. They have not really tapped into and explored and developed the gifting that's already in them. So there's a few different factors. So don't be discouraged when you say someone's an evangelist and, you're, and you thought you were an evangelist and you see them and you're like, maybe I'm not part of that group. Uh, just be like, you know, they're doing their own thing, you know. Um, but of 10 things about what we, what we see in Jesus as an evangelist, uh, how what he represented, what he showed in this story. The, the first thing is um, sharing the gospel. And we see this in Jesus. Sharing the gospel begins with a conversation. It begins with a conversation. And if you notice, Jesus' conversation was not about, hey, woman, are you going to go to hell when you die tonight? Because she could have asked, she could have answered him and said, what's the difference? I'm already living in it. We don't know people's current conditions and situations and circumstances. So what Jesus did, as a brave and an example of an evangelist, he began a conversation with her about his need, about his deficiency, and not hers. He was saying, I'm thirsty. So with words and with deeds, he invited her into a conversation and into a relationship. It's beautiful because, because you're like, it's that simple? Yeah, you can burn your tracks. Those little gospel tracks. You can get rid of, go to your basement and praise the Lord. I'm, I, I wanted to please God and I was giving these out and I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> the Lord has just freed you. You are welcome. The other thing that we see is that Jesus, um, and for evangelists, they don't pay attention to cultural barriers. They penetrate and go through them. Because Jesus, as a rabbi, was not supposed to be interacting with a Samaritan person. And even further than that, with a Samaritan woman. So as an evangelist, your heart is, you look at cultural boundaries and you're like, so? So? Because you're, the person is more important than the social barriers and the cultural barriers. Third thing that we see is Jesus was content with teaching and having a conversation with one person. Most people who want to be in ministry see an audience. And Jesus is trying to show us to see the audience of one, which is the person that's in front of you. Jesus is God. You think about this. And as God, he had one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. And he wasn't just about the platform. And he was so adamant of doing this thing one-on-one -on -one, is that he, as he gathers crowds, he, they disperse as quickly as they've gathered. And a lot of times we look at evangelists and, and we see them in big audiences and big crowds and, and some of us, we strive to be there, and, other, and others are like, that's not me. And both of you could be that, but it begins with those one-on-one -on -one connections. This is why these business people who are doing business, 
when you're working, those one-on-one -on -one relationships that you've neglected, that I've neglected, that's the thing that God is like, hey, pay attention. Pay attention to those around you. You are in ministry. You are in ministry every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Fourth thing we see is, a G, the, is, is this. Um, teaching one person can actually open many doors. She was a door for a whole village. And many times we look at the village and want to reach the village and not realizing that the village's entrance is through a single person. So when we look at talk about reaching Asheville, God through you in Asheville, we think of Asheville. Let's, let's run downtown. Let's have a night of worship. Let's gather all these people. And Jesus is like, no, no. Go after people as individuals. And as we continue to go after people as individuals, our city will begin to change. And too many of us are seeking the stage. And in many cases, the stage is what destroys people. And we hear it over and over and over again. And this is why Jesus prayed places high value of having a relationship one-on-one -on -one with him. If you're not reading your Bible, but your wife is, good for your wife, but not so good for you. If your wife or your spouse is always dragging you to church, good for her, but not so good for you. So we have to do this check to see, Jesus, I see my spouse's relationship with you. I see the pastor's relationship with you, even from a distance. And I, I cannot just group myself with them and get in on a relationship. Jesus wants this one-on-one. -on -one. And it's beautiful. That's when life transformation truly, truly happens. Sowing the gospel, evangelism is not always seeing a result right in front of you. There's sowing and there's reaping. Sometimes you're just telling people and telling people and telling people and you may not see someone come to faith right away. It doesn't mean that you're not an evangelist. It doesn't mean that you're not gifted, that you're not anointed. It just means that you are either sowing or reaping. And every time you have a conversation with someone, you're moving them and edging them closer and closer to God. And whenever you leave there, you may feel like they're not even a, a, they're a mile away from God. But what you don't know is that they may, be may, they, they may have already gone 50 miles. And then you're just this last mile in their life. A couple more and we'll be done. The beautiful thing about evangelism, and, um, and when you are that way, um, the opportunities are endless. Everywhere you look, everyone that you're in touch with. And if you only have a hammer, then, then you're going to just plow through everyone, and once in a while, you'll hit a nail, and you'll be like, wow, it worked. And the thing is this, yeah, you know, maybe you're good with your hands, but maybe have some other tools in your belt. Sometimes it's a hammer. Sometimes you got to rub the sheetrock. Sometimes you got to paint. Sometimes you got to do different things. And then at times you need a hammer, right? Why would that be true in real life and not be true in the kingdom life? Of course it's true because we're humans. We're not cookie cutter. We're not all designed to be so robotic. We all have our stories. We all have our things. And, um, and, and God shows you. God shows you. God will God, God, God will 
come over you and direct you. And I've had this happen just this past week, going to meet somebody, talking about one thing. And as soon as I got there and we started the conversation and talking, it, the conversation completely turned to something completely different and deeper. And I was not expecting it, but I was just open. And you've probably had those things in your life, but you never really connected the dots that God's moving. And I, you know what? Just to encourage you, you are already working in your gifting, and maybe you've never even identified it. The other thing with evangelists is that it's always urgent. It's always urgent. So when you go to buy a car or any salesperson, they're usually evangelists. Um, <laughs> You know, you don't want this one, but if you buy this one, then we'll give you this and this and this. Um, you know, or the TV commercials. We're not done yet. Within the next 12 minutes, if you call in, we'll also add this and this and this. And there is more. And there is more. You're, you're witnessing an evangelist. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? Because all of a sudden it has demystified one of the giftings that we see working across the earth. Um, the, one, the, the last thing um, that I want to kind of say with this as the band comes up, kind of like the thing that you haven't seen in the beginning is the, is the idea of being inconvenienced. When you and I submit ourselves to walk with God, to be with God, to walk within our purpose, this is going to be a huge common denominator. God's going to continually make you uncomfortable, and it's not going to be convenient. You, you, you go in with, with one plan, with one purpose, and then God turns things around, and all of a sudden you find yourself doing something else that you've never planned, about, planned on doing. Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. And actually, most Jews did not go through Samaria because it was like, that is going to be very, in, you know, it's going to be convenient, but because of their cultural um, issues. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Jesus was inconvenienced because he was a guy who was thirsty. He was inconvenient. Um, he sent his boys out to get food. And, um, you know, then he, he's sitting there talking to someone that he shouldn't be talking to. And the thing is that he didn't care what people thought. That's the beautiful thing about evangelists. They don't care what you think about them. They know what works for them, and they're going to be selling it to you. And you know what? If you don't buy it, they're going to move on to the next person. Going to move on to the next person. You know, uh, people who, who sell bitcoins, for example, or stock. It's all sales. It's all sales. It's all sales. It's all marketing. It's all, it's all advertising. And I know we have a ton of people in our, in, in our church and in our city who are operating in this gift of evangelism, and they don't even know it. So one of the things that we're wanting to do with this gift and all these other gifts is to begin to identify that, to create assessments, evaluation, figure out how we are wired, what we are made of, you know, what our experiences are, how mature are we, and then begin to paint a picture of maybe and, and figure out the purpose and the destiny that the God has for us. And when we do this collectively, because this is just one gift, but these gifts were not designed to work by themselves. These gifts were designed to work collectively, together, and it paints a beautiful picture of the church. And I cannot wait to continue to share this idea and this thought with you guys. So I'm going to pray. Was this helpful? Yeah. Great. Father, I thank you. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. Um, 
If you guys will all rise on your feet. God, I thank you because you are a great and amazing Father. And I thank you that you have not skipped any person. You've given each one of us a gift. And because you have given each one of us a, 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 uh, a gift, that means that each one of us has purpose, has a destiny, and you will be with us. You will not leave us orphaned. You will not leave us alone. You will walk with us. You will train us. You will guide us. You will unpack what you've planted within us so that at the end of it all, we can be used by you 